We're about to get this episode up and running. We're about to get it off uh, off the ground. So I just want to let you know before we do get the episode started that I'll be one of the speakers at the Best Ever Conference. You're going to want to come to the Best Ever Conference, literally best ever conference I've ever been to. Uh, Joe Fairless and Ben Lapidus do a phenomenal job. They and their team do a phenomenal job hosting the Best Ever Conference. And they've asked me to be on stage. And because of that, I actually have an offer for you to get your ticket for even a better discount. So it's an extra 25% off of whatever it is today. FYI, this is very important to note, is that the Best Ever Conference, they are raising their prices every single week. I guess the better way to say is, is the price is 1200 bucks, But right now, it's like half that but it keeps getting closer and closer to the 1200 bucks. So hurry, hurry and, and hop into uh, besteverconference.com. And then what you'll do is you'll put in hashtag blue spruce, hashtag blue spruce. That's the hashtag sign. You're not spelling it out, but that way you can actually get an extra, an additional 25% off your ticket. And I will see you at the best ever conference right here in Denver. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, the win-win maker. And guess who we have today? We have Julie Broad. Julie is from Canada originally. She's an investor. She's invested in all sorts of stuff, single family, even commercial medical investments as well in her portfolio. She still owns them today in Canada, but she's moved to LA. Um, when we're getting and talking about creative real estate, the interesting thing about creative real estate is that I tout this all the time. And this is how you make solutions. This is how you make win-wins and this is how you get from A to B. One interesting thing with Julie is she actually tried a few creative deals. For instance, there was a deal that was a sixplex, and she said it ended painfully. That's her exact words. It ended painfully. Um, the sixplex turned out to be a meth house, as I understand it, and they took her to court and got her in a little bit of trouble, and they had to plead guilty, I think, for, what was it, fire or something? Fire, yeah, fire, fire code violations. Fire code violations. Very, very interesting. So what's interesting, guys, that we want to talk about here today is that her all these deals that she was doing originally and they were kind of ending a little bit badly, they took her to another space where she said, I need to write a book. And she became more of a cookie cutter investor. I think we're going to learn a lot from her today. She wrote her first book, which was a REI book, More Than Cashflow, and which actually that book doubled her business in 12 months. So we're going to talk about how did it double her business in 12 months because the listener is probably going to want to perhaps write their own book so that they can double their business as well. It seems like a really good way to leverage it. She wrote her second book, The Brand, The New Brand You, um, which, which actually talks about how she built a brand and helped raise millions of dollars for her real estate investments. So I'm excited to have her on the show. Julie, what did I miss? Tell us a little bit more about your background. 
<laughs> yeah, you bet. I mean, real estate background. I started investing in 2001 and the plan was just to create a plan B. That's, you know, it wasn't, it never intended to be my full-time thing. Uh, but uh, in 2008, I just got super sick of working for somebody else. Um, but do take note of the date. I have terrible timing. <laughs> So 2008, I decided to quit my full-time job and go uh, full-time real estate investing and start a training and education company all around real estate. So it was quite an adventure. And I was, I was newly married. So a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, you were married. So your husband was, had an income. Well, my husband was a commercial mortgage broker at that time. So you couldn't pick a worse <laughs> year. Uh, they were, you know, zero, zero deals were being funded by banks in the commercial space. So that means a commercial mortgage broker is making zero dollars because they're fully commissioned. So yeah, it was, it was a terrible timing, but it was just one of those things where, you know, I knew in my gut that I just had to quit my job. And I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to go find another job. I had to set out on my own. So I, I dove into it and it was... <laughs> An interesting time to really try to raise money and convince people to invest in real estate. But, you know, in hindsight, the people who did invest with us then are very, very happy right now. <laughs> love it. Love it. So let's, let me ask you this. Okay. So you had a little bit of problems with a few of your creative deals. I, I love that you're bringing that element to the show um, and, you know, challenging me and, and me always thinking that creativity is the best. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on and, and being that second voice here. What I like most is that this took you to writing a book and that that book doubled your business in just 12 months. And I want to ask you how, how did it, how did the book, um, I, it was called, or it is still called more than cash flow. How did that book double your business? What were you doing with the book that allowed it to benefit your business so much? Yeah. So the, the first thing to know is that the reason that book really did well and stood out was because, because of the creative deals that I had done. Uh, without them, the book wouldn't have had the good stories and the lessons. So the big thing is my book had a very strong hook. And that was that, you know, all the real estate books out at the time, it came out in 2013. All the books out at the time were talking about how to get rich in real estate, how to make money in real estate. And this book, the subtitle of the book is The Real Risks and Rewards of Profitable Real Estate Investing. And I talk about the choices you make. And so again, when I started out investing, it was a plan B and, and it wasn't intended to be the full-time thing. And so if it's a plan B, you don't want to be buying. In, in my case, I realized these creative deals took a lot of time, effort, and really most of the time you're buying somebody else's problem. You're taking somebody else's problem off their hands. And so if you're not up for that and you don't have the time and energy for it, that kind of real estate isn't a good plan for you, uh, which is really why we ended up focusing on, on other stuff, which we, we might get into. Um, but so that that's important. And I think a lot of people miss that. They just talk about the normal stuff. They talk about, you know, here's how to calculate what your cash flow, here's how to get tenants. You know, they talk about the basics of real estate and it's boring. And I wasn't talking about the same thing. So that's part of it. So a lot of realtors, a lot of mortgage brokers, uh, you know, when I reached out and told them about my book, they were thrilled to share it for their, to their clients. In fact, a lot of them bought cases of it for clients. And so that's a big thing is, is there's two things I did differently with my book. One is I wrote something that was a little different than what was already out there. And the second thing is I reached out to people who weren't also investors. They were people who had investors as their clients. So they had my ideal book reader in their audience and they would benefit by looking good by sharing this because it was kind of a cautionary tale. It wasn't going, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a realtor who's going to make money when you do deals. So here, you know, here's a book on how to do deals. No, it was a book on you might not want to invest in real estate, but if you do, here's some things to think about. And, and that really catapulted the book 
um, you know, well, it did, it went to number one overall on Amazon ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of Game of Thrones, you know, it sat in the top 100 of all books as a print book for 45 days. So uh, that those two things were really, really important to its success. Fantastic. So I have a lot of questions for you. And most of the questions that I have queued up are very selfish. And I hope that <laughs> I am helping the listener as well who wants to write their own book and basically have it on the number one Amazon bestseller list. So here I go. What strategy did you employ when bringing it to these, um, you said title companies and et cetera, people like that who had yeah. real estate investors as their clients? In order to get it on the number one Amazon, were you um, focused on the timing of selling boxes of books to your friends or was this all pre-sell? Can you kind of give me the ins and outs of how you got it to the number one through selling them boxes at a time? Well, so Amazon doesn't count. If you sell a box at a time, Amazon doesn't count it as multiple sales. It counts as one. So, mm -hmm. so no, what I did was I set up a big launch week. I didn't do pre-sales um, because by the way, pre-sales don't all count towards the sale date. Pre-sales count for the day the sale registers. So if you want to have a big launch week, you actually don't really want pre-sales. Uh, you want it all to you know, file through in the same time period because Amazon updates their sales every hour. So you kind of, yeah, there's, there's, if you want to game the system, you can, I didn't game the system. I really wasn't trying to game the system. Um, but what I did do was do a launch week. And so I got people who had stuff of value. And so, uh, one person had a course on RRSPs. So again, I was in Canada, RRSPs are like 401k. So it was all, all about RRSP investing. He was leaving the education business. So he actually gave me uh, this course to you to give away for the week. And it was a $299 course, um, very complimentary to this book. Uh, and a couple other people had eBooks that were, you know, things that they sold. So they were not freebies. These were things that people would have to pay $29 or $49 to get normally. Um, so I had a handful of high value things that the, the reader of my book would want. I had spreadsheet tools and some other things like that. Um, so during that week, anybody who bought three copies of my book got this package of freebies, which I think was worth about $450. And again, a really important thing, because I do see people doing this on their launches, but it has to be stuff of value that people would otherwise pay money for. And if it's not, you actually lose, you know, people go, oh, I don't want any of that junk. So then they actually won't buy your book. So if you're not careful about making sure your ideal reader would want that stuff, then you can actually counteract this. But my stuff was really perfect for this reader of the book. So that, that's one thing that that launch package was key. And then reaching out to a lot of people that I already knew I had pre-existing relationships because again, I've been investing for a lot of years. So I had relationships with people all over Canada, reaching out to them and saying, look, I've got this wicked package. Here's what my book's about. Um, you know, would appreciate if you tell people and you know, people were saying, yes, like my, my, my audience, my clients, they're going to want this free stuff and your book is great. We'd love to support your message. So that combination is what happened to drive the sales. So and the three book sale from any person, those, those did count as three sales. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you for going into that. So let, let me ask you a little bit more about this first book. You said it doubled your business in 12 months. So um, can you give me some, a couple of examples? Let's start with one, but a couple of examples of what happened with your business after the book was released. Yeah, the, the two big things are, is lead generation, 
right? So, and this is one thing to make sure that when you're writing your book, you've got your clear, you know, hopefully your ideal reader is also your ideal client in your business. And then you have calls to action in your book. People think if they put their website at the start and the finish that people will come find you, they won't. You have to have really specific calls to action. So I had a couple invitations in my book uh, to come to get different, like a cash flow calculating spreadsheet and some other tools that we used in our business. So they could come and download those in exchange for their email address. So that lead capture is so important because you don't know who's buying your book otherwise. And you, you know, you want to believe people will check you out, but they forget, they get busy and they just don't. So you want to do that. The other thing that I found was because people got to know me through my book, I, my book was very personal. I was very open about all the things we did wrong, all the things that didn't go well. Um, people really trusted me after the book because it was so honest and they really did know me. Like I talk, if you ever read my book after listening to this, you'll be like, oh yeah, that's her. <laughs> it's wow. very, very similar. Um, it, it shortened the sales cycle. So there was no more, you know, really extended conversation about joining. We had a $10,000 mastermind uh, group. And there was no extended conversation. Really, it was me figuring out if this person was going to add value to that group. Um, so it really reduced that sales cycle and the workshops filled that we were doing. They filled instantly really like we'd open the doors and people would come in. Um, and so that was the bit, you know, really the big thing was the sales cycle really shortened and, and people just, you know, trusted and wanted to work with us and wanted to learn with us. Fantastic. I love this. All right. So I want to go into a couple of these things that you just mentioned. And one of them is lead generation. You talked about call to action, shortening sales cycles and $10,000 mastermind. I want to go into the lead generation specifically what are we talking about here as it is, as it is with the book? So, and again, like it was kind of funny because I set out, you know, I kind of thought the book would help my education, training and education company, but I didn't actually think it would help raise money. So it depends on the audience that you're going for. It, it had that in that effect anyways. I, we raised a lot of money from strangers that would read the book and call us up and go, Hey, you know, I'm just wondering if you're looking for any more investors. Um, but that wasn't my direct intent. So first you got to figure out what is your direct intent from your book? Um, cause that's where you want to focus it. And if you try to focus it in two ways, it probably won't work. Um, but you may have, what happened to me was you may actually connect with two different audiences. So I, I mentioned all that cause that's really important when you're doing lead capture, cause you have to have a clarity of what's going to be, you know, what's going to entice someone to reach out and give you their email address or their, their cell phone or whatever it is that you're looking for that lead capture. So um, yeah, hopefully that kind of answers your question. <laughs> okay. so the lead generation is, is lead capture and yeah. the way to get that is through the call to action. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So in, like I said, I was inside of the book in two or three places I say, okay, so if you want an easier way to do this, I've got a spreadsheet tool. Um, you can go download this, this at, you know, this URL and they would go there, um, put in their email address. And I had a little, a little extra thing in there that says what page sent you to this. Um, it all automatically goes anyways, but it's kind of just, you know, it slows some people down if they happen to put that page. Plus it also told me which page in the book was, which call to action was actually driving people um, to sign up. So it gave me a little bit of information. Once they signed up to that, I had an autoresponder series set up. So just emails that are preset um, that go out to them that, you know, at the time we're, we're offering, uh, you know, intro, one of my intro courses. So you didn't just write a book. No. Really, <laughs> like you really built a business with a book. Is that? Well, I had the, I had the business already. So a lot of these pieces were already in place. It was just a matter of 
taking the book and kind of plugging it into the pieces that were in existence. But I mean, we work with a lot of clients at my company, um, book launchers, and that's what we're helping them figure out is, okay, I'm starting this business or I'm trying to expand this business. How does the book fit in? And I think that's really important because a lot of people write a book and they haven't actually thought about what they want the book to do very specifically for them. So they don't know what part of their business to plug it into or what part of the business needs to be built out before the book comes out. Wow. This is fantastic. Um, I'm going to talk, we're going to get into book launchers as well. Um, this is really insightful. I really appreciate it. Um, what do you mean when you say, quote, it shortened the sales call? Um, what does that exactly mean? So I said it's, it shortened the sales cycle. So what I found was normally when somebody would sign up um, to our newsletter list, uh, they'd be probably anywhere from three to nine months before they would invest, you know, a big amount of money. Um, so, you know, they might spend $49 on a webinar or they might spend $99 on something, but before they'd actually spend, you know, 1200 on one of our live workshops, or like I said, we had a $10,000 uh, annual mastermind before they would spend that. It was usually three to nine months. But what I was finding was after somebody read a book, it was instantaneous. Mm. They, they would call, you know, for the mastermind, everybody had to have a call with me. And the call wasn't, it, and it wasn't them asking me all these questions, but what am I going to get out of the mastermind? The call was me asking them, you know, okay, what are you hoping to get out of the mastermind? What are you bringing to the mastermind? You know, I was, I was then screening them. So that's really what I mean by it shortened the sales cycle. Uh, it just really changed the conversation and changed where I was sitting in that conversation. I'm hoping my listener is excited about this as I really am. Thank you for all of the information we're getting into. I really appreciate it. So we're talking about how much money did you raise through this book? You're, you keep saying that it was easy to raise money. People called you. So what did that look like? Um, did you raise, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions, how many millions? Well, I've never tallied the money, um, but I know after the book came out, we were doing a, a, year, a, a house a month at the time, and the houses we were buying were about $350,000. So we raised, uh, you know, after the book came out, that money started coming in really easily to, for every house that we were buying. And a lot of them we were doing renos on, full renos too. Um, and then we got to the point where we had so many investors waiting for our next deal that one deal a month wasn't, we weren't keeping pace, uh, but we didn't have the capacity. And I keep saying we, cause my husband was very much my investment business partner on this. Um, he was the, he's the mortgage broker, right? He's the numbers guy. I was the marketing and, and kind of the, the people, the people side of this business. Um, and, and so we started to move into commercial. And so we started to do multi-million dollar deals uh, after that. Um, we had one that was, well, not, the one was uh, about a $600,000 deal. And then the other one was a $2.4 million, I think. Again, husband's the numbers guy. <laughs> no problem. Um, and so, yeah, we raised all the money for, for those deals, um, you know, after so the, the book. Let, let me ask you about, about this $2.4 million deal. Yeah. Where did you get the money? Is it, is it $2.4 million of just private, private investors or no, raise yeah. debt? Yeah. So the, the beauty of commercial is the bank isn't looking at you so much as the deal um, that you still come into play. Like you still have to, your, your investors have to have good credit. You know, there has to be, um, you know, things at play, but it's not the same as buying a residential house where, uh, you know, where the bank is looking at you and doesn't care about how much money the house will make. Um, so commercial, that's the beauty of that. So we had five investors to buy that and, uh, and then bank finance the rest. Okay. So how much was in the bank approximately and how much did you raise in equity? I think we raised a million in equity and then it was 1.4 financed by the bank. Again, 
husband's the, the numbers guy, but I, I feel like it was all, everybody put in $200,000. So that does, the, the math works. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so how did you structure that deal? Oh my goodness gracious. We are getting into it. Um, it's a corporation. So everybody owns a share of that corporation. Okay. Got it. And does everybody make decisions on a hundred percent? No, okay, no, got it, got it. <laughs> we do not have active investors in any of our deals. Um, we we let them know what's going on. We, we tell them what we think should happen. Um, and basically that's us saying, this is what's going to happen. But, um, you know, of course, if somebody really does have a strong opinion, uh, you know, we'll listen, but yeah, it's, it, and people come to us because they don't want to be involved, right? You know, that's the big thing is these are people with money who, you know, they're doctors, they're dentists, they, they you know, they run veterinarian practices, you know, all these kind of people, they've got enough stuff to d make decisions on and deal with. Um, you know, that's why they invested with us. So most people really aren't interested in, you know, figuring out what color should be painted and the rugs and the carpet and, you know, which pro property management company should be running things. Um, they're looking to us for that anyways, but yeah, no, we, we make all the decisions. Awesome. When did you close that deal, the $2.4 million commercial? Uh, three, three years ago now, I think. And we kind of wound down after that um, because my husband got into acting, <laughs> which is why we're in Los Angeles now. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so three years ago, what's happening with it today? Oh, it's, it's doing quite well. We actually just got one of the, one of the big tenants is moving out um, in January, which isn't very fun. Um, never, never. That's the drawback of commercial is you can often expect up to a year of vacancy. So that, that part's really stinky. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that part. Um, so yeah, not the biggest tenant in our building, but um, one of the big ones, they're moving out in January. So that, that's going to kick us a little bit in cash flow. but yeah, it's been cash flowing beautifully. We've been making payouts every, every month to all the partners. So uh, yeah, we're thrilled with that deal. And our, our accountant even said, well, this is one of the better ones we've seen. So uh, that made us that made us feel good. But then the government goes, "Ooh, this is a good one. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, so we, we can talk about so many different things with you. I, I love it. There's a lot of uh, interesting things here. What did you mean when you said a strong hook for your book? Ooh, yeah, that's a great question. And I, I, I I have a great, I have a couple great videos on my YouTube channel, which if people are interested in really diving deep into this, it's booklaunchers.tv. Uh, check it out. But simply, it's really the, the thing that makes your book unique. Um, and, you know, in, in Hollywood, it's the log line. Like, you know, it's, it's Mission Impossible meets, you know, the hot tub time machine kind of thing, right? Like, it's, it's the way you describe your book that makes people go, oh, I have to read that right now. And that's the piece that's missing for a lot of people is that right now piece. Um, and that's, that's where you have to find what makes you just a little bit different. So just a couple tips to help you do that if you don't want to go check out my videos. One is to kind of figure out what are you saying that's contrary. So again, my book example that we talked about, everybody was writing books on how to make money in real estate. In the end, mine still talks about how I made money in real estate. But I said, look, like real estate is not for everybody. And in fact, you can make a lot of mistakes that people aren't telling you about. Uh, and so that's really was the different hook, right? So that's what you want to think about. So what are you saying that's just a little bit different or what, a, what do most people believe that just isn't true? And in my mind, in real estate, that's passive income. I do not believe that there is passive income in real estate. Maybe for my partners, maybe, um, but as me, the person buying the property and overseeing things, it's not passive. And so that was, you know, kind of one of those contrary things. So if you have a contrarian thing, um, you know, that's a great place for your hook. Love it. Thank you for going into that. Um, so the brand... 
the brand you, the new brand you. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying that. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Talk, it talks about how you built a brand that raised millions of dollars. Is, are both of your books um, available right now? The new yeah. brand you as well as, um, what was the other one called? More uh, than cash flow. More yeah. than cash flow. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, on, and you can find them both on Amazon? Yeah, Amazon, Farms and Noble, normal places, yeah. Great deal. And you obviously have a lot of experience with writing books and understanding how to market them, yeah. which kind of brings us into Book Launchers, which is a servicing company of writing coaches that you have, uh, marketing, PR people, the whole crew that you need basically to write and publish a nonfiction book. Um, how, how does one uh, work with you guys in Book Launchers? Like what would we do and how much, what, what would we be looking at for a cost to get something out? How long does it take? Can you kind of break some of that down? Yeah, it's tough to give generic answers because every book is different, um, but we're set up as a membership. So you can come to us at any phase in the process. Um, some people come to us with an idea and they want to make sure they've got a juicy enough hook and they want to be coached through writing it. Others want us to use one of our writers to assist them with writing it. Um, other people come to us with finished manuscripts and they say, okay, I need it edited and, you know, layout, design, all that kind of stuff. And then other people, um, the odd time, this is where I do turn people away, but a lot of people, uh, we do have a handful of people that have come to us with finished books and they just want to work with us on the marketing side. Um, Cause I have a great, I have a great marketing team. Plus we're always looking at it from a, okay, how is this going to build your business as well as market the book? Um, so yeah, you can come to us at any phase in the process, but uh, my goal is that we're going to help you create success from your book, not just get you a book. Um, and so in that regard, I do turn people away if I feel like they're not going to be amenable to making certain changes that will make their book marketable. Um, some people just, they just say, no, this is my book and that's it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great, but I, I don't know if we're going to be able to help you. And so I turn them away at that point. But most people um, come to us and they want to create success. So they, they want our expert advice because uh, everybody on my team has had tremendous success in their, in their aspect of the book publishing. So it's a fun, fun industry, but yeah, you can come to us at any phase and we'll help you all the way through to the end where we're helping you market your book, getting you a PR speaking gigs. Um, cause my approach really is getting your book in front of those ideal readers. So the groups of them as much as possible. So that's really where my marketing team focuses, but, but online is important too. So we pay attention to the SEO and keywords and all that stuff too. Okay. Well, let me ask you before we get into the final five, I want to ask, um, one question on how you find speaking gigs. So can you kind of give us a little bit of that? Um, can, I, can I pick your brain on that a little bit? Yeah, you, you can. <laughs> so I mean, my, I, have a, I have a booking, she shouldn't like to be called an agent, so I call her a booking person on our team. Uh, she, she used to work as a booking agent, which is why we don't call her an agent. Um, she spent 10 years booking people. So she kind of looks at it from a few perspectives. Uh, and one of them is she's trying to figure out what are your speaking topics. So you really have to have something that is going to be appealing to the people you want to speak to. Um, and that's really the first thing. Uh, if you have a demo reel, that's helpful because <laughs> a lot of people are asking for a demo reel. But if you're new, like if you haven't spoke on this topic at all, or you haven't done any speaking, then you're just going to start with local associations and kind of local places that are always looking for great content uh, for their audiences. So it really is, again, a tailored approach, depends where you're at in, in your speaking career. Uh, and it also depends on what the subject of your book is. Um, we have some people in the cryptocurrency uh, uh, kind of space, which is really hot right now. So it's a little bit easier uh, to kind of skyrocket them if they're ready with, with their talk. <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. What, what is a demo reel for those of us who don't live in LA? <laughs> well, it's not even an LA thing. A demo, a demo reel for an actor is a different thing. Um, okay. for, for a speaker, it's just clips of your, so it can just be one talk. So a segment of a talk that you've given, but in many cases, it's really clips of several talks that you've given and you want it to show the audience reacting, um, as well as, you know, what a, a segment or a sample of what you're talking about. So you're saying just kind of go to lo local associations, local places first? Yeah, I mean, that's how I started. So I, a lot of my talks were real estate clubs initially, real estate clubs, um, some kind of uh, business association type things. Uh, that's, that's how I started. That's how a lot of uh, our, our clients were kind of opening the door to them. Um, it's, you know, 15, 20 people in the audience. So it's low risk if you're not doing well. Um, but it's also a great opportunity for you to test your messaging and nail your talks. Okay. How do you turn that into a demo reel? Uh, do you just have to have a friend with a camera that's going on the audience and on you? And I'm a terrible example. I've had, I've had epic failures in getting a demo, demo reel. Every time I get a talk and I think somebody's I've paid people to record it and they've had camera failures, but, but yeah, really you just need to get it, get people who will film it for you. Um, as you get to the bigger events, they all have them filmed. Um, you know, some of the bigger, uh, you know, whether it's real estate or some of these other events, the bigger it is, the chances are they already have it filmed. So you just have to ask for a copy. Got it. Got it. Thank you so much. All right. So we are going to skip the final five today. I, I, there is so much that I could pick your brain on, but I think we'll just have to have you back on if that's, if you're okay with that. I would love to. Thank you very much. Perfect. How do people find you and how do people find book launchers? You bet. So booklaunchers.com is the best place to find, even find me. Um, but I, I hang out at my YouTube channel. It's kind of my passion project. So if you want to find me, uh, booklaunchers.tv. Okay, perfect. So booklaunchers.tv is, is a direct link to your YouTube channel. Yeah. And then booklaunchers.com is the website. And that's where yeah. they can kind of find how, how, how this all works if they want to write a book. You bet. And we've got a launch letter there that comes out every two weeks. So if you want tips, you're not quite ready to write your book. You just want to stay in touch. Every two weeks, I send out tips and some of my videos as well. I love it. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. And until next time, Julie, think outside the box. Hey, it's Adam Adamson. I'm really grateful to have you as a loyal listener of the show. It is disclaimer time. And there is four things that need to be said. And number one, we're not attorneys or CPAs. So please consult your own professional advisors. Number two, any investment opportunity that is discussed on this show is for accredited investors only. And if you would like to be a part of one, my contact information is in the show notes. Number three, if you love this content, all I ask is that you show us by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. And number four, the best ever conference is coming up. It's on February 22nd and 23rd. The price is changing every single week. So don't wait to get your tickets. Go grab them right now. Go to besteverconference.com and then put in the hashtag blue spruce.